Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or contact me directly. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. Well, today we're going to talk about the multifamily world, the world of apartments, seemingly the energizer bunny of sectors in the commercial real estate world. It's like every time we think this uh, sector is going to start cooling off, it seems to get hotter. Well, let's see what's going on and what is the future of multifamily moving forward. Please welcome my guest. It's Carl Whitaker. He's Senior Manager of Market Analytics at RealPage. Carl, good to see you. Thanks for joining us, sir. Yeah, Michael. Likewise, good to see you. I gotta, I gotta say, I'm gonna have to steal that Energizer Bunny of sectors comment. I haven't heard that before, but I, I, I like that. I mean, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's like you and I talk. We think, well, certainly this is gonna cool off, but it's it's just not cooling off, is it? Yeah, it's crazy. It's just you know, we thought maybe the summer we'd see some strength, and you know, things would eventually taper off, but things just seem to continue heating up. It's just it's really, really remarkable and good to see, by the way. You know, I think a lot of people were concerned with what would happen this summer, just with all the unknowns we had in the spring. So it's good to see that things are remaining as hot as they are. Yeah. Have, do you have you seen any impact or fact when you study the industry and the numbers from the eviction moratorium that we had going on? Yeah, we've actually done a lot of research on that. That's been a big talking point with a lot of our client base. And I think what we've generally seen thus far is that when you look at the subset of professionally managed, uh, owned and operated properties, you know, you look at the investment grade assets, uh, which is generally what RealPage is tracking, by the way, that subset of the apartment sector has been relatively insulated from um, you know, missed payments and delayed payments and just evictions overall. That's not to say that there haven't been some um, evictions or, you know, some instances in which that's come up. But uh, generally speaking, something around 95 to 95 and a half percent of all professionally owned and operated um, apartment residents have been paying their rent on time throughout the pandemic. So it's been a pretty small um, overall impact for the um, investment grade properties. I think where we actually do see a little bit more of that impacting things is when we look at the smaller mom and pop operators, uh, you know, some of those walk up properties, maybe some properties in really small tertiary markets. Maybe you see more of an impact there, maybe more so on the single family rental side as well. But overall, the, uh, the strength of occupancy that we've been seeing over the past few months, we certainly don't think that that's driven by the eviction moratorium. We think that that's driven by true organic solid demand in the sector. And that's certainly a shame because the eviction moratorium was supposed to kind of help the, the small guy that's having a problem and it sounds like it hurt the, the small landlords. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. What about some of the various uh, classes you mentioned that uh, institutional properties are doing well? Are you seeing any difference in performance uh, and expected performance moving forward from like A class properties versus kind of the rest? Yeah, and, and this is a good point where, just candidly speaking, I think we came out of the uh, 2020 downturn, if we want to call it that. It was pretty short-lived from an economic perspective, but the, um, uh, the 2020 downturn, we thought the Class A properties would be the slowest to recover 
based on you know the single family market, based on what we're seeing with construction. But amazingly so, that Class A performance has probably been the strongest rebound. It saw the biggest cuts in 2020 to rents and occupancy. But when you look at lease over lease rent growth today, when you look at occupancy rates, that Class A product tranche has absolutely skyrocketed towards the top of the leaderboard. So we've been really surprised with that Class A performance. Um, we've also seen some strength in Class B, You know, just looking at your bread and butter middle of middle of the road apartment sector. Um, A lot of strength there, never really saw the big downturn in 2020. I think class C is where we're seeing a little bit of some mixed signals. Some of those performance indicators such as rent growth and occupancy look pretty strong for the time being, but we do think that that sector probably has the most limited upside in the near term as well. Um, you know, just some some economic headwinds and some concerns, you know, going back to the eviction moratorium, if evictions are um, an outsized explanatory share of performance, it's probably in that class C sector. But, uh, you know, just to summarize there, that class A performance uh, uh, subset of the properties has been really strong and candidly speaking, really surprised us at how strong it's been coming out of the downturn. Yeah. And some of our listeners and viewers are probably saying, hey, guys, I get it. Things are going well, but what are the actual numbers? So, you know, what are you seeing for rental rate growth and, and occupancy and, and, and how's that compared to the past? Yeah, remarkably so. We've seen that new lease trade out. So for, for those that maybe aren't quite as familiar with the term, that's looking at uh, resident resident B moves in and is moving into resident A's apartment, comparing what resident A paid for their rent versus what resident B is paying for that rent. So that's a new lease over lease trade out figure. And when we look at those numbers as of August, that was coming in at almost 20%. So 20% rent growth compared to last August's figure. And by the way, that's not just a one month figure. We've been seeing double digit trade out throughout the summer months. So this has been sustained rent growth. Uh, I mean, this is record rent growth in essentially every major market across the country. Really remarkable stuff. And part of what's driving that is record occupancy. We saw occupancy in August came in at 97%, which just sounds absolutely crazy to say that you know vacancy is only 3% across the country. So record occupancy is keeping rent growth really strong. We're seeing a lot of folks renewing their leases. You know, you're not seeing as much resident turnover as you typically do. So as those residents are renewing their leases, and demand is picking back up, it's causing that overall occupancy meter to continue to grow. And in turn, uh, operators have a lot of pricing power on their end. Right. We're talking with Carl Whitaker with RealPage about the multifamily market. So um, what do you see in your numbers, Carl, about CBDs, about some of the infill in uh, apartment complexes that are in the big cities, like New York and Chicago? It seems like some of those inner city, those CBDs are still um, a little dormant. What do you see in the apartment world there? Yeah, dormant's probably a really good way to to, to phrase that over what we've seen over the past year. And uh, we saw 2020, the CBDs just got hit super, super hard. And I think it makes sense to to, when, when you look at it from a 30,000 foot view, you know, those CBDs are inherently more expensive areas. 
And as the quality of life and the amenities that make the CBD attractive to begin with, as those were essentially non-existent, residents had a hard time justifying paying a few extra hundred dollars a month to live there. So we saw some move outs to the suburban areas. We saw some doubling up, um, you know, maybe two, into two single bedroom renters moving into a two bedroom. So the, the end result was really weak rent growth and really sharply declining occupancy especially so in, as you point out, the New Yorks, the Chicagos, the San Francisco's of the world. What we're seeing over the past few months, though, is that many of these CBDs are starting to rebound pretty significantly. And there's a few different ways to look at it. Performance is a lot stronger than it was this time last year. And in many instances, a lot of CBDs are actually normalizing with their overall home market's performance. So we're actually seeing the CBDs rebound pretty well. However, there are some instances where cuts were so deep last year that rental rates are still yet to recover to their pre-COVID mark. Uh, you know, you look at places like downtown San Francisco, uh, Soma there in San Francisco, the Loop in Chicago, you know, you can pick a few of those expensive market urban cores. They're still working to get back to pre-COVID levels, but the recent improvement has been hugely encouraging. And I think that that also uh, follows what we're seeing with just some broader economic trends pretty closely as well. Yeah, and I wonder if that's a little bit of the canary in the coal mine there that, you know, if the apartments are starting to rebound in these in these large cities, does that mean maybe there's some good things to come down the pike here with uh, some revival in these cities? Yeah, I absolutely think so. I think you're going to see that start to normalize a little bit further, which is exactly what we hope to see in many of those instances. I will mention, though, I think we'll see a slight bifurcation between a few different urban cores next year. I think you can almost break it up into two product uh, uh, types, if you will. I think we're going to see some urban cores still lag a little bit, maybe some that are dealing with some supply hangovers. Uh, into next year. You know, they're still working to absorb what was delivered in 2020. So whatever gets delivered this year, maybe you've still got a little bit of extra umph, um, you know, to, to, to absorb that supply. But some of these markets, such as Atlanta, interestingly enough, where supply levels haven't accelerated over the past year, that's allowed demand to catch back up to those supply numbers. So I think you'll see the urban cores, such as the Atlantas of the world, the Charlottes of the world, those will recover a little bit more quickly than what we'll see in Manhattan, the Loop in Chicago, downtown Seattle, et cetera. Yeah. And you mentioned new supply, and I'm curious about the impact of rising construction costs and, and uh, you know, the materials problems, you know, the logistics. Some people are having trouble getting windows and appliances and things like that. How has that impacted new supplies uh, in, in your book? So we're actually seeing next year as a record year for supply. And I know we've said this for a few years now, but we're forecasting in 2022 more than 400,000 new units to come to market, which is just a remarkable number. Um, I think what we're seeing in that case is that a lot of the uh, supply uh, chain disruptions, a lot of these construction delays that we, we've heard about, those haven't necessarily materialized for the 2022 supply pipeline. In other words, what got permitted over the past year or two, it's still gonna get built. Maybe it just takes a little bit longer. I think when we look at that 2023 and beyond supply number, that's where you'll start seeing that, that expectation start to come down a little bit because that's gonna be far enough out that permitting activity is gonna reflect some of the challenges of the economy and from the supply chain perspective. 
that have happened in 2020 and 2021. So uh, 2022, again, just to summarize, 2022, lots of supply. We think that that comes down next year. But to your point, we're hearing a ton, a ton of anecdotal evidence that supply delays are, are certainly real due to just a number of disruptions along the supply chain. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the investment sales market a, a little bit. I, you know, I started in this business as a young man, managing apartments and selling apartments. Um, and, uh, and my company still sells apartments. And I have never seen the apartment sales market so hot. I've never seen so much liquidity out there, so many buyers. Uh, what do you see as you look at the numbers out there uh, around the country? Yeah, we're seeing the exact same thing, just an exceptional, exceptional appetite for multifamily uh, apartment investment. I mean, just tons and tons of appetite out there. But I think it makes sense. You know, you look at how the multifamily performed throughout the downturn relative to, say, office and retail and maybe even industrial to a lesser degree. Industrial still, uh, you know, a, a smaller piece of the overall commercial real estate pie. Um, you know, we saw decent performance in industrial, um, uh, the industrial capital markets and performance over the past year. But multifamily looked good pretty much on all fronts. Uh, I think that's attracted some additional capital away from office and retail, especially relative to historic norms. And that's just overall created a lot of capital chasing uh, a few um, listed sales out there. And to me, it's just crazy when you see some of these markets, such as Raleigh-Durham, for instance, getting a four and a half cap, uh, Atlanta getting a, you know, a, a mid to upper four cap and price per unit in some of these markets above $200,000. I mean, it's just crazy that demand from the investment perspective has been so robust. But I think when you look at performance, it makes sense because apartments have been a really good safe haven relative to other investment alternatives over the past year. Yeah. And if you're watching the video, maybe we'll have a, a graph from Carl, but uh, if you're listening, Carl, what about cap rate trends for properties? You know, how have they trended, say, before uh, COVID, during COVID, and now for apartment cap rates? We've seen, if you, we'll, we'll be happy to send along a graph, but you'll see this graph is just this pretty steady downwards trend where, at, you know, coming out of the Great Recession, cap rates probably close to six, six and a half percent. And since then, we've seen it just slowly, steadily taper off. And, uh, you know, you look at 2020 and 2021, we thought those cap rates might start to show a slightly different trend where that number actually comes up a little bit. But we've actually seen the opposite where those numbers continue to compress. So, um, you know, it's just it's really interesting to see how much capital is chasing um, deals out there. So much capital chasing those deals is pushing up the sales price. The sales price getting pushed up obviously uh, causes that cap rate to compress a little bit. We think performance is solid enough that it justifies that compressing cap rate. But, you know, maybe a little bit additional prudence in some of these markets that we talked about, you know, the the West Coast urban cores where cap rates compressing to a point where you say, okay, maybe we're doing a little bit more due diligence. But uh, it's just been really, really remarkable to see over the past you know, 12 to 24 months how strong the investment side of the, the marketplace has been. Yeah. And when you, and you see a buyer paying you know, a three and a half, four cap rate and you shake your head, well, you know, if they're getting enough uh, rental increases every year, I mean, what's it matter what they get the first year? It's the overall return of the investment, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, we're seeing those, those, record, those record rent growth numbers, so it's, it's certainly justified for the time being.
Yeah. And what about uh, demand moving forward? Are we building enough apartments? What do you expect for apartment tenant uh, demand? Yeah, I think the, uh, the, the the question of if we're building enough is uh, there's a couple different ways to look at it. I would say that the the, the National Multifamily Housing Council uh, put out some research two or three years ago that said that to sustain to sustain supply to a point where demand is balanced with that supply number, we would need about 330,000 additional apartment units per year, I think for like the next 15 to 20 years. Um, so we're certainly seeing enough supply to meet demand from a market rent or a, you know conventional multifamily perspective. I think where we're not seeing enough supply to meet demand is in the affordable housing sector. And that's a very complex problem. It's, it's something that somebody uh, far smarter than me is going to have to figure out. But, um, you know, I think we're seeing a, a supply shortfall in that affordable multifamily housing sector, uh, probably enough uh, supply to meet demand in the conventional market rate sector. But when we look at our demand forecast, I think we see 2022, there's not much reason to think that demand will just totally fall off a cliff. I think we think I think we see 2022 as being another strong year for demand. We probably did, and Michael, you and I were talking about this um, pre-recording, um, we probably did see a little bit of demand that would have happened in 2022 get pulled forward into 2021 just based on how quick the economy has recovered in some sectors, uh, you know, some residents moving out of these expensive uh, coastal markets into some Sunbelt metros. Maybe that would have happened eventually, but COVID probably did accelerate that trend actually occurring. So we think that 2021's record demand number is probably pulling out some of the 2022 potential. But nevertheless, we think 2022 looks roughly in line with what we saw over the past decade. And we all know the past decade saw a ton of strength in the apartment market. Yeah. So we're going to have plenty of demand, you believe, for from the tenants. And, and let's talk about investment sales for a minute. Um, our apartment brokers here are telling us that m most every one of their clients are saying, hey, I want to get things done in 2021. I want to make my moves, whether it's buying, selling or whatever. Uh, I want to do it in 2021. While I know I, I know I have the 1031 exchange, uh, while I know I have lower capital gains rates, um, and there seems to be just a rush of people doing deals. Are we maybe doing some of the same thing that, that's going on with the tenants, or maybe we're doing a lot of transactions in the, the third and fourth quarters here of 2021 that's going to make 2022 kind of, hey, maybe less transactions? Yeah, I would agree. I think that's probably, uh, we're, we're, we're probably seeing that to some degree. Now, the degree to which we're seeing it is it's still an unknown. And I'd be really curious to to look back at this recording this time next year and say, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's about what we expected. So uh, I do certainly think, you know, to your point, Michael, that's 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 an excellent point to bring up that some of those changes that are expected to happen in the next few months, it's probably accelerating some of those investment market trends. But at the end of the day, you know, again, you just look at how multifamily's position relative to some of these other sectors. And I think that there's a lot of reason to think that um, the, the investment side of the market looks really strong next year and even over the, the, the next three to five years, I would say. And while there might be a, a question of if 1031 gets uh, limited or not, there seemingly is no question that capital gains are going to go up. Um, so, you know, I think uh, our, as on the broker side, and we have 50 people at our shop that do business in the Southeast and Every one of our brokers is saying, the clients are just saying, hey, 
let's do stuff this year. We had one that was going to hold uh, all their properties for indefinite periods of time that said, hey, I want to sell my entire portfolio if we can close by the end of the year. Of course, we're brokers. We're like, rah, rah. <laughs> but <laughs> we're wondering, hey, does this mean 2022? People say, look, I did everything last year. You know? So, Carl, what would you leave our audience with to think about as far as uh, the multifamily world uh, moving forward uh, and, and, and the economy surrounding it? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we've touched on a few of these points already. I think our our overall house view is that 2022 still looks really great, but don't be disappointed if you compare 2022 to 2021 and say, hey, what happened? You know, uh, our expectation is that 2022 looks really, really good, but comparing to 2021 is just not a fair number. You know, that's just going to be a, I think we look back at 2021 as just a, a record year from just about any perspective. From an economic perspective, we're starting to see a, a con, or we're really we're seeing a continued bifurcation in the economic recovery. A lot of these higher wage positions, office setting jobs, uh, the recovery is happening pretty pr- uh, pretty solidly for those types of positions. Uh, we're starting to see some recovery among like your bread and butter blue collar construction levels picking up. So that's resulting in more construction jobs, manufacturing jobs starting to come back online, distribution jobs. Where we're seeing the lag is, of course, in the lower wage sectors. Uh, you know, and I always hate to use anecdote as evidence, but anybody that thinks that there's not a sluggish recovery in the lower wage sector, or at least a mismatch in skills and uh, labor availability, uh, just drive around your local strip mall and see how many help wanted signs you see. I mean, there's a lot of unmatched labor demand from an employer's perspective that isn't getting met by the labor market. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that labor force participation rate uh, changes through 2022. How does that impact wage growth? If it does impact wage growth, then how does that in turn affect apartment operators strategy for next year? So I think 2022 is going to have a lot of economic unknowns that we start to see come into focus over the next six or so months. And that could have a very real impact on how the uh, peak leasing season for apartments next year really starts to shape up. Yeah. Well, I hope that the incentives change to give people incentives to work instead of incentives not to work. Some of what we've seen, especially in the last year. Well, Carl, great information. Thank you for joining us, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks, Michael. Always a pleasure. All right. If you like more, uh, reach out to Carl. He's with uh, RealPage. And let us know what you think. We appreciate uh, you sharing the show. We appreciate you rating the show and connecting with us on your favorite social media. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Buxton. Take leasing site selection and due diligence to the next level. Make the right decisions with on-demand mobile data. Visit buxtonco.com. By Bull Realty. For proven commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions, contact me. My email is michael at bullrealty.com. By Commercial Agent Success. Expert level commercial real estate broker training. Cloud Access 1, up to 21 one-hour videos. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Thank you for reviewing, subscribing, and sharing America's commercial real estate show.